The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And how about this? We got a paranormal true crime story today. Patrick Koffenberg and Mike Carbono from the Paranormally Zone podcast are returning to Talk is Jericho to talk about the haunting of Ted Bundy. One of the most prolific and notorious serial killers in American history also has some interesting paranormal activity and ghost sightings surrounding him and attached to him and his story. We talk about whether Bundy was possibly driven by demonic possession and some of the eyewitness accounts from survivors and law enforcement who seem to back that theory. People talk about his weird all-black eyes. They also talk about the boils on his face, the sulfur-smelling odor that would spontaneously emit from him Patrick and Mike also talk about the ghost sightings surrounding the ritual house where Bundy tortured and killed Deborah Kent, the hauntings at his childhood home, and some of Ted's weirdest behaviors as a kid. They share the paranormal experiences surrounding Bundy's execution and all the weird hauntings at the sorority house in Florida where Bundy attacked and killed multiple women. The haunting of Ted Bundy is coming up. Also coming up, I'm headed back to the UK next week for the Jericho Chronicles, telling stories, answering your questions, taking your cues, giving some A's. There's going to be different stories every single night. Tickets available now at itrtix.com. VIP still available, although they're all uh, selling very quickly. July 4th, Glasgow, Scotland at SWG. And the topic is AEW, my entire AEW experience. July 5th, Belfast, Ireland at the Limelight. That's Jericho at WrestleMania. And July 6th, London at the Grand, Jericho's Biggest Matches. Get your tickets now at itr.com. Don't miss this show. We always have a great time in the UK with these question and answers and these storytellings and Inside the Ropes always does an amazing job. So itrtix.com. Come see me there and come listen to the haunting of Ted Bundy right here, right now. On Talk is Jericho. All right, so always looking for uh, cool subject matters in the paranormal field, true crime field. We have both of those with uh, today's uh, discussion. And bringing back Pat and Mike from uh, the Paranomaly Zone, which is funny because I just realized today that you guys have been on the show before under a different moniker. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> just today. Yeah, it was, uh, that was quite the moniker back then. We, we decided to change the name 
it served its purpose for sure. What was it called before? The Ultimate Route Podcast. That's it. The Ultimate right, Route exactly. Podcast. And we decided, well, we wanted to have a name that was a little more direct and to the point when it comes to the content that we like talking about. We're figuring if someone's scrolling for paranormal <laughs> content, they're more likely to click on Paranomaly Zone as opposed to the Ultimate Route Podcast. It looks like, like a travel show or something alternate route <laughs> that's right. right yeah i remember we uh we, we we hooked up in the dress room i think it was in fargo is that where it was that's right at the event uh, center there yeah would you speak about cryptids or something along those lines what did we talk about we talked about oh man wheels a menagerie of weirdness uh gotcha. giant rock giants um <laughs> it was pretty crazy it was fun though. a lot of fun it was a cornucopia of uh, of weirdness, and uh, yeah. we're continuing that weirdness today with a little bit more of a, of a focused topic, which is very interesting to me because I have a lot of different, shall I say, partners that I use to do shows with, and I just say, send me interesting ideas, and if you think of something cool, then we'll do it, and you guys came up with a pretty good one, talking about, obviously... The other side of Ted Bunny, which people might not know about, the the, the haunting side, the ghostly side, uh, where did you kind of come up with the idea for this topic, guys? Well, quite honestly, it popped into my mind when reading a book about Ted Bundy. And the author himself started to, he had a very prominent section in his book where he was talking about his conversations that he would have with, with Ted when Ted was incarcerated and awaiting his ultimate fate. And uh, this author, Stephen uh, Michaud, and the book was Ted Bundy, The Only Living Witness. And a chapter of that, he talked about when, like I said, when he was talking with Bundy, Bundy would often uh, refer to this entity that would overtake him, resided within him essentially for his entire life, particularly would overtake him to the point of where he would have to commit these atrocious murders. And what was interesting about, I mean, that's fascinating in itself, but when Stephen was talking with Ted, he would note several times, several occasions, when Ted would go into a trance-like state, he'd close his eyes, and he's recounting these terrible acts, a welt would start to form on Bundy's right cheek, right underneath his eye. Hmm. A long white, it appeared to be a large white blister. That was very, very prominent. As strange as this sounds, and this isn't just a, a joke on hygiene, he would begin to emit an odor. His eyes would turn black. And this is all noted by world-renowned Bundy investigator and author, Mr. Stephen Mischold. And this is something that he had seen over and over again. And that's basically a long answer to your question. That's what got me interested in the idea of what is truly causing that. Is there something to this entity, paranormally speaking, when it comes to Ted Bundy? And let's just talk about Ted Bundy for a bit, because we've never really discussed him on the show. When you go through kind of the most notorious serial killers of all time, Bundy's always at the top of the list. Uh, you hear, you know, David Berkowitz and you hear Richard Ramirez and these types of guys. But Bundy's kind of, and it's funny because they all came from the same time frame. I don't know what it was about the 70s, but there was some <laughs> sick dudes back then. Kind of give a quick overview for, for people that might not know just, just how diabolical Bundy was and some of the crimes that he committed. Well, you know, in, in my opinion, there's people that have killed. There are people that kill. There are killers. There are serial killers. And then there's Ted Bundy. Hmm. He is the top. Notorious beyond. It's one of a kind and uh, uh, frightening. You know, doing research for all of this that I've done 
after this, Patrick, I'm done with Ted Bundy for a while. <laughs> okay. yeah. Well, tell us some of that, Mike, though. Why, why do you put him in a category of his own? You mentioned you've done some research. So tell us a little bit about what you found out about him. It's just the, uh, you know, when you take what he's done, um, the accounts of, of the, the murders and the, the level of violence, and then when you add in if there's an entity within him, if there's a demon that, that's involved with this, it just takes it to a completely other another level. If it's true that his his eyes change, he's shape shifting. You know, there's so much more to it, and that's one thing that you know we have information on to dive into. Um, yeah, one thing that we we have to clarify here is that there Bundy himself admitted to 36 murders. That's mm-hmm. what he admitted. To. Right. I mean, he was always in denial for his entire life until he was trying to save his own remaining time on Earth. You know, he was trying to give himself every extra hour he could. And he'd say, look, you know, wait, please delay my execution just a little bit more because I have one more secret I want to tell you, essentially. I mean, he's trying to manipulate people to the very end. Right. 36 murders that he admitted to. His own defense lawyer, Brown was his last name. I'm drawing a blank on his first name right now. One of his own defense lawyers in his book that he wrote about Bundy, he says that Bundy confided to him that he committed over 100 murders. That's what his lawyer said. Now, is he telling the truth? Is he putting in numbers as to sell books? I don't know, but I don't know exactly why he would make up those numbers. The man's done enough harm as it is that why add more lies on top of that. And he's he's very capable of it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Another thing that's interesting about that, you know, talking what he revealed to his lawyer about 100 murders is that this lawyer also claimed that Bundy's first murder was a male victim, which isn't. Common knowledge is basically, you know, Bundy just murdered, you know, beautiful young women across the United States. Right. His lawyer says that Bundy told him he killed a man for his first victim. There's only one male victim. Again, that's according to his defense lawyer. Well, and, and he would, you know, lure women into his car by uh, saying that he had a broken arm and needed help loading up whatever it was and and, and all that sort of type of thing. So he, he was preying on these college aged women. And he also was, you know, as far as serial killers go, he was fairly good looking guy. Right. So he kind of had his scheme all calculated and worked out, didn't he, Mike? He did. And he had, he had everything going for him, like say the looks and the charm and the charisma, and it would lure them right in. And he also as well uh, broke out of prison. Twice, <laughs> I believe he did. Yeah. Twice. Twice he broke out of prison. Like this guy was just. And committed more murders during that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just completely on the run. So overall, how long was his reign of terror, so to speak? Well, that's up for question. It really is. As far as his admitted murders, it reigned from 1969 to 1978. So near nearly a decade of documented murders. But and this, you know, this is kind of tied into the you know the paranormal aspect of this as well. We'll get to that eventually. There are a lot of people out there, Chris, who believe that. Ted Bundy committed his first murder at the age of 14. Wow. His victim was an eight-year-old girl. A neighbor girl, right. A neighbor girl lived right down the street from Ted. Ted delivered newspapers on this route. He had a great uncle who lived right next to this victim who went missing. She, it's still not solved as to what happened to her. Her body has never been found. Oh, my gosh. She was only eight. She'd be, I guess, in her 60s now. He did write a letter to the girl's mother at one time denying that he had anything to do with her disappearance or mm-hmm. or anything. But uh, but he did infer, again, delaying his execution, he did infer that there were particular murders that he would never reveal. He would never talk about because they were, according to Ted, 
they were too close to home and they were too young. And even Ted did not want to recount them. He's not necessarily admitting that, but he didn't want to talk about them. And we think that Anne Marie Burr, this poor child who got murdered, or well, he assumed she was murdered, that she was Ted's first potential victim at the young age of 14, Ted possibly committed this act. But mostly his victims were kind of of that co-ed age from Mm -hmm. 18 to 24 sort of thing. Is that correct? Right. That's correct. Absolutely. And uh, the two that uh, he had murdered in that one night are the ones that actually got him his uh, conviction that uh, got him the death penalty. That uh, that was a sorority house. Yeah, the Chi Omega murders. Yeah. yeah, those are the ones that he was brought to uh, trial again. I mean, he was, he was brought to trial several times. He actually broke into the sorority house and murdered two women the same night? He did. It was the night that he murdered. He attacked five women in total, and two of them unfortunately passed away. Another victim was two houses down on the block. After he made a frantic escape from Chi Omega House, he wasn't done yet. You have, you have to kind of think about it this way. He was on the run at this point mm-hmm. because he had escaped from the Colorado prison and he had actually made his way down to Florida and he was living under the name Chris Hagen for six weeks. He tried to get a job. He couldn't get a job, but he was, he, he resorted to stealing whatever he could to make, you know, just to get by. And you have to think about, he was in prison for so long. He obviously couldn't commit murders while in prison. Then he escapes. He's gone to loose for six weeks. And it finally just comes to a head in a horrible, violent night at Chi Omega where five women are brutally attacked by him. And allegedly, on the paranormal side of that night, the two that he had actually killed, it's uh, reported, whether it's true or not, um, that the uh, spirits of these, the ghosts of these two women actually tried to help and warn the other girls that uh, he was going after. To tell them not to leave their rooms. Right. In what way? How, how were they doing this? One victim who survived, she claimed that it was essentially, you can interpret it anyways, but she claims that she was essentially held back, told not to leave, not to move any further. As in, you are safe where you are right now. Do not try to escape because this madman is running through the halls still. As it sounds bizarre, but there are claims that these just recently deceased murdered women actually had the residual, the intelligence remaining to attempt to save their sorority sisters. Again, take that how you will. It's it's bizarre, but it's been it's been reported. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Let me ask you this, and then we can get more into the paranormal side and the ghostly side. Every serial killer has a reason why they do what they do. Upbringing, past, parents, did Bundy have any of that? Because when you're talking about the boils, which is very much something uh, that we see with, with demonic possessions, did he have anything in his upbringing that could have led him here? Yeah. Um, to say that he had a traumatic childhood would be putting it lightly. Yep, yep. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, it's not that he necessarily suffered a severe amount of physical abuse, but he 
definitely was a mentally unstable young man going as far back to as potentially as young as three years old. Uh, a quickly, a story of visiting aunt, visiting Ted's mother's house in Tacoma, Washington, when he was three years old, woke up in the middle of the night. Three-year-old Ted was standing right next to her on the bedside after having surrounded her with knives that he had found what? in the house. Surrounding her with knives? Yeah. With knives that he had found. Like just on the on the ground or something? On the floor? On her bed. On her bed. Surrounding her on the bed. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's not something a three-year-old is apt to do as far as I know. And also crazy enough is that the family, they did nothing about it. They they, they just took it as just an occurrence. Just Oh, just little Ted... Uh, Played with his teddy bear last night, and then it's so cute that he put out knives on the floor. Right. What a, what a little rascal. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's like, oh, shame, shame, Ted, you know. But he did have some, you know, like his childhood. He he was raised, what he thought was his mother raising him was actually his sister. Oh, wow. Really? I didn't know that. Why is that? Well, the, the way that went, went he... Okay, I'll say this as briefly as I as I can. Did I say that wrong? It's, it's yes, you you flipped it around. <laughs> what he thought was his sister was actually his mother and his grandparents. That's even weirder. Yeah, and it could it also adds credence and suggests a little bit. And I don't want to say anything that isn't true, but a lot again, a lot of people believe that perhaps Ted was fathered by his grandfather. Right. Because growing up believing that his mother was his sister, he also grew up believing that his grandparents were his parents. He was born. Theodore Robert Cowell, his grandfather's name was Sam Cowell. And it took, Ted was not, I'd say it was his early to late teens, probably closer to 18 years old, high school age, when he finally found out who he really was. And it did have an effect on him. He he considered himself a bastard and he would say that. And it did have a profound effect on him. The mental trauma that, that he went through and god knows we're not making excuses for oh no this. well no but like you said there, there's always a, a, a past to these types of things and, and before yes. you continue on i'm still trying to unpack his yeah. <laughs> mother was he thought his sister was actually his mother and there's a chance that his grandfather his mother's father was the dad of ted with his daughter right so there's some serious incestual issues going on here right Right, right. And again, not, none of this, this is all hypothetical, essentially. A lot sure. of people are, well, not even hypothetical, they're theories. Um, because, I mean, she was, she did give birth to Ted in a house of unwed mothers. Because back then, she didn't know who the dad was. It was scandalous. Sure. She would have been labeled, so yeah. to speak, you know. And that's that's unfortunate. And again, it really, really threw Ted for a loop. He did not know who he was. And I, that opens you up. That makes you so susceptible to more emotional trauma we believe just with that first blunt hit right he's obviously you know a haunted individual in reality but let's talk more about this this malignant force and and kind of it's something that he spoke about and he acknowledged correct absolutely yep he talked about this quite often he referred to it as the entity the entity mm -hmm. this malignant malevolent force that he had no control over he said it spoke to him he said that he would listen to it. He described it as almost like an addiction, how an addict, any any item someone may be addicted to, it just eventually overtakes you and you give in. And that's how Ted described this murderous urge. He wanted to fight it. He claimed that he wanted to fight it. He wanted to be normal. He strived to be 
a normal person, according to Ted. I mean, this is a law student, for, for God's sakes. I mean, he had a degree in psychology. Sure. He could have been a success, but he went the absolute atrocious way. It's something, as far as him being controlled by this entity, Mike and I definitely believe in this as a possibility. And we go as far as to thinking maybe even demonic. I mean, that might be too far for some people, but I, I don't know. What do you think? I'm always on the edge about demonic things, but uh, my belief in it or not, or if it's just evil, pissed off ghosts or something, you know, but. Do you believe in the entity that he had some sort of force inside of him? You know, well, I've, I've thought about that and Patrick and I have talked about that. And I, is it an entity that's within him that's making him do these things? Or is it some way of him making excuses or taking blame off of himself and putting on something else that, uh, you know, something in his psyche that makes him accept what he's doing. It's not him. It's, it's this other thing. Um, you know, is it just a psychological issue? Um, you know, theories, defense mechanism. Once again, though, when you're talking about these types of people and they're hearing voices, is that some kind of just, you know, lunacy inside of them, or it could very much be some kind of a presence Yeah. because what you were saying is that this force, this entity would be almost like like you said, like he's an addict. It's telling him to do something. He's telling him to do something. He's trying to fight it. He's trying to fight it. And then he can't fight it anymore and has to go murder somebody to satiate this voice slash spirit yep. slash demon inside of him. Sure. That's very well said. That's exactly what could be the case. I and mean, and it's a pure psychosis. I mean, in the in his mind, even if it wasn't even paranormal at all, could do mm-hmm. the same thing and have the same effect. And again, it could be, I mean, he could just be making excuses, but there's this a tantalizing amount of, I don't want to say evidence, that's really strong, but stuff that strengthens the case that he was truly haunted, you know, since a young age, you know, the again, how many three-year-olds surround their aunts with knives? I mean, that just doesn't, that doesn't seem right, normal, very, very odd. Right. And it's connected to the idea that Ted's childhood home is in fact haunted. And Mike and I kind of talk about the possibility. We'll absolutely get to that. But I, I, I want to go back to the boil that you mentioned at the beginning, because sure. this is something that, that you see. I don't know if you guys have done shows about demonic possession, exorcisms, anything like that. There are physical uh, malformities that occur. Exactly. Like you mentioned, a, a boil rising. I mean, I'm thinking of Amityville 2, the possession right now in my head. You can see the guy even almost looks a little bit like Ted Bunny, to be honest with you. So this is something that is, is very much connected with possession, yeah. is the boils and scars and cuts and that sort of thing, correct? Correct. You know, you, you have to think, it's like, it, it makes sense if you have this malevolent force that is so strong inside of you, and it's just, it's literally bursting Right within you, it's going to affect you physically, as you mentioned. I don't know if you're familiar with the the exorcism of Emily Rose, the movie about it, but you see her body is physically, literally contorted backwards and upside down, and she's like a pretzel. And there are actual yeah. pictures of that. It's frightening. Yeah, I've seen them. Ted's boil isn't really, you know, it's not that crazy to think about it being demonic in in origin and source. And actually, wasn't there a, a police officer that had uh, when he was arrested? And Ted Bundy was in the back seat. Didn't he witness this as well? He did. The, the final Ted's final arrest in Florida after the Chi Omega murders. I'm blanking on the arresting officer's name. Forgive me for that. Yeah, I can't remember either. But yeah, when he had him in custody and he was bringing him to the cell, Ted said, "You know, like I wish you have killed. I wish you have just had, had killed me back there. And when you drop me off, when you bring me to the cell, if I run, will you shoot me? 
I mean, he just wanted it to end. He wanted it to be done. But the arresting officers said the same occurrences, looking in his rear view, rear view mirror, black eyes, pure black eyes in Ted, and that foul, terrible odor. Mm-hmm. This is important to point out because, again, you can make hygiene jokes and all that stuff. But Ted was, even he was when he was on the run, he was still conscientious enough to find, you know, like public showers to clean. He actually took a shower that very day he was arrested. So I'm not sure that his odor was because he had been <laughs> bathless for six weeks. You mentioned this odor. Is that something else that's prevalent with, with possession victims? Is it some kind of absolutely sulfurous odor or what kind of an odor are we talking about? You nailed it. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah. If I, when I think about demons, I don't think about pleasant perfumes. Right. You know, I think of stuff yeah. that's just atrociously bad. So again, that sulfur smell is, is so much associated with that. Right. Yeah. Load the depths mm. of hell by Lucifer. Right. <laughs> Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. You mentioned that his childhood home was possibly haunted. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. The stories that come up with that are much later on when uh, I think it was uh, 2011 or something like that, where he was, or the house was being renovated by a contracted crew. And they had um, witnessed many different things. Uh, the contractor, his he would bring his daughter to see where they were working at times. And she the first time she, or the one time she went there, she freaked out. She was uh, crying and, and she said she felt uncomfortable, like there was something there. And she left. And uh, there were times where they would come in and all the doors in the in the morning and the doors and the cupboards would be open. Mm-hmm. There would be times where one time where there was a message wrote, written on the uh, floor in the dust. It just said leave <laughs> and uh, no footprints around it or anything. There no nothing else but just that word leave and then in i believe in ted bundy's what used to be his room on the window was the word uh help me wow as a message that they found when they came in you know and then what that makes you think like who's writing help me right exactly right you know and also chris there's there's uh, in that you know, in the supposedly haunted childhood home of ted's there was built-in cabinets right. in the wall that, were, that actually somehow were pulled out of the wall shoved out of the room and fell face first down in the hallway. I mean, it moved. And this was witnessed by the contractors, yeah. So it's, there's something going on there. And, and this is after, obviously after Ted's been executed. So yes. are we thinking that it's the, the spirit of Ted returning home? That's one of the thoughts, yeah. Um, you know, and the thing is, it's like with when you think about what was written, like leave was written in the dust on the ground, but yet help me was written on the window. So that totally, that suggests that there's multiple things going on. Could be. They just, perhaps multiple spirits, you know, they contradict each other. So much those messages. Yeah. Yeah. And so it makes you wonder what's going on. It's like, did this, was this house, did it always have some sort of force in it that affected a young Ted or is Ted literally returning to that house or both? I mean, it's fascinating to think about. That's terrifying too. Chicken and the egg sort of an idea, right? Which one came first? 100%. Is there been other occurrences of of Ted's ghost appearing, sightings of Ted's ghost, that sort of a thing? (laughs) Quite a bit. Well, 
That's funny you ask that, yeah. Chris. <laughs> yeah, there, I would say the one that, that sticks out to me the most is the reports made by several security guards who were working at the Florida State Prison, Rayford Prison, when Ted was executed there. That's where Ted spent his final final years, the Rayford State Prison. And this is right when the sightings begin of Ted. Yeah. I believe this was first reported as far back as 2001. One, yep. Mm-hmm. But one of the security guards who wanted to remain anonymous, yeah, you know, I, I don't blame him. He says that immediately upon Ted's execution, and again, crazy, bizarre as it sounds, immediately upon Ted's execution, his spirit was seen in his cell, in his cell block, roaming the hall. Also, this just fits Ted's persona so much. Also sitting in his own electric chair. Yeah. Oh, with wow. a, like with like a, a kind of a, a smile on his face. With an all-knowing grin, it was described as. Right. And outside of his cell block, these security guards also reported that the apparition that they had seen appeared to be like a blue mist form, but they clearly recognized it as Ted according to them, and it spoke to them. And this Ted apparition said, well, I guess I beat you all here, didn't I? Huh. What does that mean? Right. <laughs> Again, is, is Ted still in the afterlife mocking everybody? I mean, he was an arrogant, manipulative person. Uh, no doubt about that. And is he, is he still doing that on the other side, so to speak? I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Like, why would he say that? Why would he say, I beat you all here while smiling? It's like, okay, well, thanks, Ted. <laughs> and that kind of fits his his overall mo as well because he was a very arrogant even after he was arrested and, and mm-hmm. talking about how he's the you know I'm, I'm the baddest man on the planet whichever way he kind of decided to say that you know what I mean talking about yeah. bragging mm-hmm. about just his I'm the most what did he say the most cold hearted son of a bitch you'll ever meet son of a bitch yeah yes you got it if he's going to be haunting after the grave that kind of makes sense doesn't it. It does. And like you said, it absolutely fits. It fits his personality on Earth. We talked about this several times. It's like, you know, there's demonic as far as I be- I do believe in the, in the demonic, but there's demonic and there's also purely malevolent. Like Mike said earlier, maybe they're just pissed off. Maybe they're they, they're assholes in real life. So they're going to be assholes in the afterlife. It carries over. Yeah, it carries over. And so the same definitely goes here with Ted just sitting there smirking at everybody saying, hey, got me. I'll beat you here. So guards actually saw him smirking at him? Mm-hmm. Wow. While sitting in the electric chair. In his own electric chair where he was uh, where he was killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about, I'm just kind of looking at some of the notes that you sent me. And there's a lot of interesting things in here, but there's some appearances of the Chris Hagen. Yeah, Chris Hagen, yes. Alias that he was using, the spiritual activity with that as well. Well, that, that one is so bizarre. Okay, when he was under the alias of Chris Hagen, when he was on the run in Florida, the night of the, the Chi Omega murders, after returning to his room, other folks who lived, resided in the building, upon their return, they, they saw, they encountered Ted, Chris, sorry, sitting you know, out on the porch. He wasn't his usual, usual charming self, but he was very odd, very distant. And they were all talking about, did you hear what happened last night? You know, this awful murderous rampage occurred. And Ted, immediately said it was obviously done by a professional you know he's just sitting there he's trying to maintain like this little i I don't know what happened but at the same time trying to build up the accounts of being this was done by a professional you know he obviously knew what he was doing again arrogance right total arrogance total arrogance and that very same porch 
people have claimed to have seen the apparition of this Chris Hagen hanging out on the porch. If it is anybody, it's dead. And it just makes you wonder, it's like, what is he doing there? Is it some sort of, is he comfortable there? Is that, that was his last moment of freedom, essentially, was on that very porch. Why not return there? That's another thing that Mike and I love going back and forth about is how can a spirit appear in one place and another across the entire continent, so to speak? How How is that possible? There is no space and time when you're nope. in that uh, realm. It's interesting, too, to me, because when you talk about you know spiritual activity, a lot of times you'll see orbs or you'll see, yeah. you'll hear the voices on, on the the voice recorders and that sort of thing, but to actually see a ghost, which is a whole person, that's fairly rare. It seems to me, I haven't heard a lot of that. It's like something you would see in the Disney haunted mansion or something, but this is a real right. life-sized Ted Bundy apparition. Yeah. Well, it, it takes so much energy to have that full bodied apparition. Uh, like, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Orbs and things are like, they're drawing energy from whatever they can, like your batteries out of your equipment and things like that. But maybe, or in my opinion, it's possible that there's so much energy and still to this day from what happened and what went on, it's just like a charge that never ends and has enough energy to sustain the full body. To sus- yeah, exactly. Or even communicate, you know? So, Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. There's, we mentioned kind of the demonic side, the satanic side. There's more house stories here, especially the one in Utah that you were mentioning that may or may not have had some sort of satanic rituals involved on it. Right. The ritual house. Yeah, this is, again, talk about the chicken or the egg, Chris, like you mentioned earlier. Right. You could throw that analogy for this case as well. Long story short, I want to get to as much as I can here. This particular, what became known as the Ritual House, outside of Bountiful, uh, Utah, involved the murder of Debbie Kent, who was ki- kidnapped by Ted back in 1974, November November 8th, 1974, when Ted was in the midst of his rampage. 1974 was his most brutal, brutal year. Gotcha. And this was like only like about a block away from the parking lot where she was taken. Yep. This house was about 500 feet away from this, the school parking lot. Mm-hmm. People who encountered Ted that night at the, there was a school play going on that night. And Ted had made his way into the school and everyone who had encountered him, including the, the play director, who was a female. And she noted that this man was breathing heavily, black eyes again. And when he would talk to her, he tried to get her to go out to the car to help her with his, help him with whatever problem he had. He could not look at her in the face. He'd only stare down like he was just lusting after her. You know, he was just, he couldn't wait to to do what he wanted to do, unfortunately. He failed in his first attempt because she refused to go out with him. He left, he came back in. Unfortunately, Debbie Kent ended up disappearing and being murdered by this man. She brought him, it is theorized that Ted brought her to this ritual house, which was known for satanic rituals and sacrifices. Now, again, the chicken or the egg, it's theorized that this house itself, 
pulled the entity that was Ted towards it mm. because it's been called, for lack of a better phrase, a portal to hell. And this house is emitting such a power that someone like Ted was just drawn to it. Again, theorized that he brought Debbie Kent there, held onto her for days, potentially. And perhaps maybe this entity was speaking to him again as this urge grew and he ultimately sacrificed her to his entity. So it's sad and it's bizarre. Have you heard of, of a house having that sort of power before that can draw other evil human beings to it by its pull? I, I absolutely think so, yeah. It would eat, yeah, absolutely. Uh, either bringing evil from from without with outside of the house bringing that in that energy especially if you have that entity or whatever but also if it is a portal you know you've got anything coming in and going out from that portal so it could draw in evil from inside or out i i believe that i really do it's that's another crazy bizarre topic because it makes you think like, well, what is it about this house that makes it a portal? It's not the house itself. Right. It's just like the, it's the earth. It's the land that this house is built upon. You know, for any number of reasons, it could be that. Yeah, I've experienced that myself where it's, it's, it's just kind of the area, the, the, the ground, the rock, you know, the, mm -hmm. the vibe and the aura of things that happened in that same area, even hundreds of years ago, get all combined to, to that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a place called the Bridgewater Triangle where... I did a, a, a pilot and it was all, it's like the most haunted area of the United States, all within this 250 mile square mile radius, all of these sightings and hauntings and appearances and cryptids and everything else. Wow. And it really is underneath the ground, a certain type of slate rock, slate, S-L-A-T-E, that mm -hmm. only exists in that part of the country in that area of the Bridgewater Triangle. Mm -hmm. They think that could be sucking in some of this spiritual activity and that sort of thing. So maybe that's the same idea with this, you know, satanic house, the demonic house that you're discussing. Yeah. Absolutely. Chris, have you ever, if you don't mind me briefly asking, have you ever had a personal paranormal experience? A, a few, but nothing major. You know, yeah. a couple orbs that we saw in uh, the Bridgewater Triangle. A couple, I uh, had a, a time displacement years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, in the early 90s that I've discussed in the show before. But, you know, a, a few things here and there. But nothing. I've never seen Ted Bundy's ghost. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see Ted Bundy's ghost. Is there other uh, examples of, of, of these hauntings and other things that, that, that have appeared and popped up about Ted Bundy? One of them that's pretty intriguing. You know, take it as you will. We're open-minded to all of this as being very. That's why we're here. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's why we're here. There was a student paper that was written at the Puget Sound University. It was back in 2011. These are the students who are writing this paper. And they, several of them, claimed to have encountered the spirit of Ted Bundy on campus. I mean, Ted at one point did attend campus. He attended several campuses throughout his, his, his life. And he is theorized, believed that he kidnapped several of his victims coming off of that campus. But they claim that they have seen Ted's ghost on campus. And this is the part that's <laughs> it's hard, to, hard to swallow. They claim that he is nice and charming. Wrapping your head around that one, it's like, okay, that seems kind of, and I don't really buy into that. But when you think about it, it fits his personality sure. on earth when he was a physical being. I mean, that's he used his, his charming nature 
to seduce and bring women to their deaths. And so why would he not be doing the same in the afterlife? It's hard to, it's hard to grasp as a potential reality, but I am totally open to that being legit. They also, I just popped in my brain. They had ghost investigators at Puget Sound University, not necessarily trying to contact Ted, but apparently they claim that they did contact him through a, a Ouija board session. Yeah. Mm. And the yeah, Mike knows where I'm going with this one. Yeah, it's crazy. The, the answer, one of their answers that they got spelled out, again, according to them, I cannot touch them. I cannot kill them. This is my hell. Hmm. That's what they claim they got as an answer from Ted, the spirit of Ted, however you want to describe it. And again, that would make sense because why would that not be Ted's hell? You can see he can interact, but he can't physically harm anybody. To me, that makes sense. That would be his hell. Oh, so he's saying in the other world because he can't kill anybody, that's hell for him. Right. He can be there and see them and everything, but can't touch them. No. They also came across with a, a message that he had supposedly said that um, he talked of joining Jeffrey Dahmer. Really? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And he said, in his words, supposedly, it said, that's where the big time killing is. Now think about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's hanging out with Dahmer in, in, in Ghostland. And- mm-hmm. Apparently so. <laughs> <laughs> in Ghostland, yeah. It's so hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. But when thinking about his personality, it makes sense that he would still be, he'd be tortured. Well, it does make, it does make sense too, because once again, you're talking about these very haunted individuals in real life that are committing these terrible, terrible acts Mm -hmm. and going back to the Bridgewater Triangle. Another reason why they were talking about there's so many occurrences because there was a big war there, not to get into history where 5,000 first nation native Americans were were murdered by the pilgrims uh, and that evil, Mm-hmm. forces and, and the bad vibes and the death and the murder is enough to continue cultivating those bad vibes. So yep. if Bundy, not if he, he, all these terrible things that he did, it makes perfect sense that if he does come back, that he would be the type of, of male, uh, you know, male own spirit to be there because he was such a evil person to begin with. Right. That energy is going to be there. There's several different, you know, well, there's theories as to the different types of energies when it comes to ghosts. And I'm sure you've heard this, Chris, you know, the two prominent ones are, you know, uh, residual energy versus an intelligent energy, an intelligent ghost. Explain. A lot of these residual entities, residual energies, it's basically something that has been imprinted in this realm of existence, like our realm of existence, by the power of emotion, essentially, the trauma. It is said that people have actually encountered the ghost of Ted Bundy at the burial sites of his victims. What? Any number of hiking trails out in in the mountains. Yeah. Ted knew the back roads. He knew the back roads. He scouted them. He took time out of his day to drive back roads to find the perfect, I hate saying this this way, dumping spot for his victims. And these very same dumping grounds. Mm -hmm. That sounds rude. (laughs) No, but it's true. It's true. Right. It's true. Exactly. It is. Um, He referred to him as dump. That's for sure. Um, people have claimed a while out hiking to encounter what they later describe as a ghostly figure of Ted. Why would he not be there? He's he's returning to his favorite place. What do you think about that, Mike? Well, and that also could be an intelligent where he's there hanging out there, but it, that could also be a residual to where it's just the energy and the emotion that 
people are seeing this as like a tape and a loop playing over and over again. That could very well be a residual. How do you mean a loop over and over again? Well, it's like, it's like a residual sighting um, of a residual energy. Um, It's like, they'll see the same thing. Like, uh, like you, you play like a few seconds of a film, then you rewind it and play it over again. Like that kind of a loop. Gotcha. Like uh, for one example, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the, well, the white house is so haunted and, there's a reports of people seeing Abe Lincoln sitting on his bed, putting his boots on. And that's all they see. Mm-hmm. That would be like a residual energy of him sitting there. It's not Lincoln sitting there. It's not Lincoln sitting there thinking it's just that, that loop of energy playing over and over again. It's not an intelligent apparition of Lincoln. It's just that. right. It has no idea that you're there or anything. It's just like, yep. you know, watching that clip over and over again. Hmm. They describe, you know, intelligent hauntings, simply put, are basically able to interact with us, the living. Right. Residuals won't and can't. Gotcha. Yep. Intelligent can interact. Residual is just almost like a photograph or something along those lines. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Good. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Just quickly, um, as a, a quick little segue, I was going to ask you this earlier. When a guy like like Bundy goes on so many sprees and he's escaping from prison and he's getting very careless, how did he eventually end up getting caught? Tell that story. He got caught because he got lazy. The first time he got caught, he just got lazy. He was, again, to the point of arrogance that you could almost, he was like leaking out of his ears. He was so arrogant. He was, frankly, the first time he got arrested, he was driving around in Utah man, he was smoking marijuana and he didn't pay attention to where he was. And he ran through stop signs. And there was a cop who noticed him, a cop who was the local sheriff who was kind of, he had like a, he knew everyone in the town. He knew everyone's vehicle. And he saw Ted's little VW drive by. And he's like, I don't recognize that car. Why is it out driving at two 30 in the morning back here? And why did he just run that stop sign? Oh, I better go run him down. (laughs) And that's exactly what happened. And they found his murder kit in his car. What was his murder kit? That was, he had his ski mask that was made, not ski mask, a nylon mask made out of pantyhose, his ice pick, his uh, shackles that he would carry along with him, extra pairs of clothes. Blunt instruments that he would, that apparently was his preferred way of killing. It was actually beating them with a blunt object. Right. And then also in, in his Volkswagen, he had taken the passenger side seat out. So he had room to put the body or put the person in mm-hmm. and transport them that way. Wow. And that car is in a museum somewhere. I can't think of right now, but doesn't Zach Bagans have that one? I'm sure he probably does. He's got everything else. I'm sure. <laughs> he does, yeah. <laughs> and if he doesn't have it, I'm sure he's going to get it. <laughs> and, and you mentioned Zach Baggins, which is obviously uh, a talk is Jericho alumni. One of the top ghost hunters in, in the world. Mm-hmm. He has some claims about the Bundy ghosts as well. Does he not? He does. They did. They did an episode on the ritual house we were talking about earlier. They captured some crazy and freaky EVPs that not only come from what they 
well, you, you watch the episode, you can decide for yourself. Unintelligible male sounding groans and a hiss, just a crazy, bizarre hiss, mm. but also very clearly a female voice reaching out to them, telling them where she may be, asking, you know, like, if you're here, where are you? And said, in the basement. They went in the basement, and of course, there's satanic paraphernalia everywhere. There's satanic paraphernalia markings all over the house. Throughout the entire house, yeah. Wow. This is Bundy's, which house are we talking about? The house outside of Bountiful where he kidnapped and murdered Debbie gotcha. Kent. Yeah, that, that ritual house. You know, the Bagans, Bagans crew, Ghost Adventures crew, they caught a lot of interesting, creepy stuff there, and they were all affected by this house. The house was condemned back in 1997 because of a gas explosion. To me, why is it still standing? <laughs> I just want to know why it's still there. Yeah, yeah. They're saying that they heard a female voice, which would imply it's one of his victims. Yeah, I would think so. Zach himself said that he doesn't. He obviously, we all hope that the spirit of one of his victims is not trapped there. That adds too much sadness to an already very sad situation. But wow, who could it be? Has has there ever been anything like this for a serial killer before? This much reports and evidence of hauntings and and, and spiritual activity. Not to this extent. Um, exactly. There's been issues, reports of Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, his mm-hmm. another guy absolutely linked to satanic rituals and you know all, all that, you know, demonic possession. And right, totally. Briefly, what sets Bundy apart from Richard Ramirez to me is that Richard, watching old interviews with him, it seemed to me that he was reciting a rehearsal. Every time you'd ask him a question, he'd go back, okay, I, I have to have this demonic imagery. I have to portray this that I'm possessed, so I'm going to tell you this. And then he goes, and he's just kind of boring and mundane, the same answer over and over. Obviously, it doesn't lessen his atrocious acts, but to me, he seemed more of a fake as opposed to Ted. It's a sad comparison, but that's how I feel about it. Mike, is Ted Bundy the worst of the worst of the serial killers that we that we know about? Well, he's definitely up there. Um, he's definitely the most popular. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's you know been so romanticized. And there are people that they still talk about him as being this this very handsome, charismatic guy, which I guess he was. But they think more of that and being such a cult figure that he's become with these people that they think highly of him. And they seem to forget that as a 14-year-old, he he murdered an, an eight-year-old and did right. horrible things to her and the things that he did do. Um, Definitely the most popular, and and in my mind, uh, definitely one of the top as far as the worst. I mean, not taking away from what these others have done, like Dahmer and Ramirez and everything, but there's something that just clicks a little bit more with him. Ted sticks out so much because he came across as such a charmer, and he seems so normal on the outside. You think of serial killers, you think of like this hunched over monster, you know, lurking in the, the dark corners of an alley, you know, mm-hmm. and he's going to jump out and grab you. But this guy was, he could have been a successful person in life if he had chosen to go the right path. You know, he had a life. He was a successful student. You know, he had so much potential going the right way, but he did it. And that's, that sets him apart in so many ways for me. Yeah. And while defending himself, it's like he had his ducks in a row if you want to say it that way or whatever but he did have times where he would kind of flip out and yeah he'd show that crazy side during that but but otherwise you know that whole show of what he did he liked playing lawyer yeah, he liked playing he lawyer so. yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's it's interesting to me we talked about you know that that time frame of the 70s and how many of those types of killers there were 
do you have any theories as to why that doesn't really happen as much uh, in this day and age? Is it because technology shuts that down? Because if you talk about Bundy, I mean, this guy was crossing state lines. Police forces in one state weren't aware of him in another state. Is, is the technology the reason why we don't have these serial killers running a, running rampant for so many years? Is that one of the factors? It's got to be one of the factors. But I also ask you this question. Has it gotten less or have the serial killers gotten smarter and oh, getting around these things? I hope not. And there's so many that are still out there that we haven't even found or caught yet. Because think of how many people go missing a year. Mm-hmm. The numbers are unbelievable. Right. Is that a possibility? Yeah. We all have this magical force in our pockets, this phone, you know, these wonderful, powerful items that can do basically anything. Yeah. You know, simply speaking, Chris, as you said, it's just, it's become too, too difficult to get away with what they did back in the day. Police investigations has improved so much. They have so much at their fingertips, able to identify things that they simply weren't able to do, not even 20 years ago. We've, we've made this just this giant leap in the last couple of decades. So it's too hard for them to get away with it. It's interesting. I, I had on a, a psychologist uh, who specialized in serial killers, and he had a really interesting point. He said, serial killers still exist. They just kill all at the same time in the mass shootings that we see. Sure. He said, if you look back into the seventies, the mass shootings weren't as prevalent as they are uh, 100%. now. So now, you know, if Bundy killed 36 people, then you go to freaking, you know, Las Vegas uh, a few years ago at the country yeah. music festival, the guy killed 40 people all in one right. fell swoop, shall we say. So those people still exist. They just have morphed into taking advantage of different ways. So there's always going to be people with that psychotic issue. Right. There's always going to be somebody that's, ready to flip over the edge and, and and do that. It's a sick and demented way of looking at it. It's the age of instant gratification. I mean, every way. No one can wait for anything anymore. You know, everything is bam, 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 bam now. Right. And as weird as that may sound, as sick as it may sound, the same would have to go for these psychotic serial killers to say, I want to do this. I want to kill 40 people, but I don't want to take the time and effort to do it. Yeah, so I'm right, going to yeah. just yeah. haul some guns to the Las Vegas hotel and do it. Yeah. Well, guys, it's been a very interesting uh, discussion with you guys, and I'm glad you reached out. Once again, like I said at the beginning, next time you guys come up with a, with another topic, we'll do it again. Oh, that'd be so awesome. And we won't have a different name again. Yeah, <laughs> this is it. We'll keep track of you now. Now I know for sure. It's the Paranormally Zone. I got it. Yeah, absolutely. We can't thank you enough, Chris. You've been, you've been such a help, and you're so cool, and we can't thank you enough. Cheers, guys. We appreciate it. Yep. Take care. Have a good one. 